It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into the podcast for this uh, Thursday, the weekend edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. We'll touch on UC's upcoming game against Memphis. Kind of a... Kind of a big one on the landscape to a degree because it is a, a bit of a troublesome game maybe, but we'll, uh, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on Kentucky. We'll touch on fans going overboard perhaps a little bit. We'll look at uh, where maybe some seeds are falling now that uh, the last few days of basketball have gone on. But we will start with the freshest of fresh, which is Xavier last night going on the road, losing their fourth in a row, third in a row during that, that three-game road streak. I guess the big part, Rick, is that Trayvon Blewett, not only did, did he play, he played virtually every minute, played 38 minutes. You were of the ilk of, of sit him out for various reasons. What, what does the loss now with him in the lineup force Xavier to do down the stretch? Well, I think it... And I'm not telling you they shouldn't have played him if he's healthy. Yeah, no, I think they clearly made yeah. the right decision yeah. of playing him. If he was able to play 38 minutes, right. then he, right. was, he was ready to play. Um, and with what we saw in that game, I think he showed that he... It was probably a good idea to get him back on the court, mm-hmm. let him get get some of the rust off and get his legs back under him before you play a, a Butler a game, game that you really like to win, obviously. Um, but I think it does hurt them from the standpoint of, look, you had Trayvon in that game. He played. He looked like himself. He played the whole game. So now there's n- not going to be any credit for he was hurt and you lost that game on the road. That's just another loss uh, onto the Xavier team's resume. That being said... I wrote about this after the game last night. I just don't think after Trayvon went down, I mean, after Edmund went down, things had changed a little bit. They won the game at Creighton to kind of stabilize and and change maybe sort of the narrative surrounding them. But then after Trayvon went down and they lost at home to Villanova, it's not like this team was going to rise up and get back into like that four or five range for seeding. So it was all about just maintaining, staying out of the the last few at-large bids, you know, the 11 seed games basically. Um, and, and so that they're still in that same spot. I don't think the road game really mattered much because it probably wouldn't have bumped you up a seed line. I mean, it maybe would have kept you at a seven or eight instead of an eight or nine, but it it wasn't that big of a deal. This comes down to don't lose to DePaul. And if you beat Butler, then maybe you can stay out of the 10, 11 game. All right. Well, let me, let me go just throw worst case scenario. And I will, I will touch on last night's game a little bit more in just a second. I'll go worst case scenario where, um, Say you lose to Butler Sunday and Marquette's already beaten you and, and they come in here and then you're really down to the dumps. You go to DePaul, which just won. Was it at Georgetown or was that at home? That was at Georgetown, right? At Georgetown. Yeah, yeah. at Georgetown. I mean, not that that's a great, great shakes, but still they won at Georgetown. What, what, what happens if you do lose these, these last three? I mean, do you put yourself on the outside completely looking in? No, I'm not, I don't even think that's really? the case. I think they're on squarely on the bubble then and probably needing to do something at the Big East tournament. And, 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 I, don't, and honestly, I, I don't foresee that. I, I can foresee them losing to Butler Sunday. Yeah, um, for sure. But I, I do think they're able to beat Marquette, able to beat the ball. They're able to win at least two of these last three. Yeah, I, I think. But I am throwing worst case scenario because it's, it's I think, possible. I think, I think one and two is is realistic. Like yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Butler and Marquette potentially. Now that'd be six losses in a row. Yeah, that's really hard to imagine for this team, especially with back to back home games. So I don't think that's going to happen. But with the way they've been playing, it wouldn't be a complete shock. Um, but again, if they if they. He, their, their stretches have been weird, though, because it, it, we've, we've gone over the cliff a couple of times here. The, the, the recent stretch is a loss to Villanova. Not a bad loss. And it was with Trayvon barely played. Losing at Providence, at Marquette, without Trayvon Blewett. Losing at Seton Hall, um, which is a desperate team even with Trayvon Blewett. I, I, you, but they, they seem like they've, when they've come, they've come in these bunches where you go, uh-oh, what, what could happen if? And both 
times they've kind of bounced back from the what would happen if. Yeah, and I think this team, when Trayvon Blewett is healthy, you kind of know what they are. Right. And they're solid. They're just not good. Um, but, again, I put this in my story from last night. Here's here's why. Just when everyone wants to look at this as, well, Xavier's going to have X amount of losses. That's not going to be good enough, right? Well, they don't base it on how many losses you have, right? right there isn't correct. a record there, yeah, right. that's, that, require, that you're required to have to get in. First four out right now. Clemson, Wake Forest. Clemson teams, has, what, 11 losses? Two teams that Xavier beat. Clemson is 14-13 and 13 overall right now, 4-11 and 11 in the ACC. Yeah, okay. Their first four out, Wake Forest is 16-12 and 12 overall, 7-9 and nine in the ACC. Their first four out, Clemson, 61st in the RPI, 36 in Kempom, strength of schedule is 17th. Wake Forest, 41st in the RPI, 33rd in Kempom. Strength of schedule is 15. And, and you're right. The tiebreaker is you beat Clemson on a neutral, and then you beat Wake here. So, well, and Xavier's 20th in the RPI. They're 38th in Ken Palm. Their strength of schedule is 6th in the country. And I think that's Xavier's saving grace this year in this situation. The bubble's awful. Like, well, you know, people I mean, say it every year. Oh, the bubble's so bad. But no, I mean, this year it is historically bad. I just do it from time to time late in the year. I, I'll, I'll look at a ESPN standings page or a CBS Sports standings page and just start to count how many teams right now I would put in. I was Chad and I were talking for the podcast. I said, I'm still coming up six to eight short every single time I do it, and I'm including Xavier in the mix. I'm including Arkansas in the mix, for goodness sakes. And that still leaves me six to eight teams short. It's so funny because if you've been listening to us talk, if you've been reading anything on my website, it's been I've been saying this from the go. They have to beat DePaul. Since two weeks ago, I've been yeah. saying right. it comes down to they have to beat DePaul. It's the only thing that could put them back on the bubble. To, put, to avoid the bad loss. Yeah, because it's the only bad loss left on their schedule. And then it's like it's funny because Xavier then loses last night, and everybody, everyone was in ag- agreement. I didn't hear anyone Disagree. challenging right. me on that. And then all of a sudden they lose last night, and it's, well, now there's no way they make the tournament. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's like. Why did it change? Because you're frustrated about a loss that changed. Right. The math changed. Someone else's resume changed. It's I mean, there's ridiculous. literally, like, the worst we've ever seen, really, is a team that goes, like, what, 8 and 10 in conference? Yeah, that that makes the – I mean, but right. generally, like, if you're in a power conference, if you're 8 – you have to be right near that 500 range to get in. Which, which is stunning that Clemson's even in the conversation It's so bad still. this year. Four and eleven, a four and eleven team is on the bubble, and it, it, you know what it doesn't feel like? It doesn't feel like there's anybody surging, yeah, I, like coming at like coming up the ranks to get in and like play their way in. There's no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think the Clemson thing is is more more of an interesting situation of what we've come to with all the realignment and the yeah. conferences. The right. ACC has become so stacked on the basketball side of things, and some of the other shakeups like. The Big East isn't quite as strong as they were. So there's another spot or two that, that Big East may would have had before. That and the they AAC now. doesn't. And the AAC is god-awful, worse than people expected. There's a couple other conferences. And truth be told, inside, inside the ACC, outside of a Boston College loss, um, probably now an NC State loss, a, a, a Pitt loss, and even if you lost that Pitt, that's still not awful. There's not a lot of ways you go in that league and go, well, that's an awful loss. I mean, there's just not a lot of those you can point to right. go, that's an awful loss. And that's why you're seeing the Clemson and the right. Wake Forces because their other metrics still look so good. Their yeah. strength of schedule, their RPI, their Ken Palm numbers, despite losing all those games, are still pretty darn good because of the ACC. So it's created kind of an interesting anomaly at the bubble, but you're right. The bubble's terrible, and people want to make this about your team and your team's record. And it's like, that's fine. You can be mad about your team, right. be frustrated, but it doesn't change what I'm telling you about 68 the math of the teams bubble. are required to make the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fact. Required. That is a fact. That is a fact. They, they don't get to go in the room and go, you know what, this year, 
56. Yep. Just not feeling that's all we could, that's all we could yeah. come up with. And, and by the way, I'm not like making this up. No, Shannon, no, no, Shannon I, Russell was talking to Joe Lunardi last night. She put a story up today or, or is going to. And he said Xavier can't play their way onto the bubble. They can't play their way out of the tournament. They're in no matter what, even if they lose out. So he's more gung-ho about it than I am. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on where they stand in the Big East and kind of look ahead to, to the Big East tournament as well. Villanova losing last night to Butler but still has a two-game lead over Butler, which – um, still could, I guess, find its way into maybe a second-place tie with Xavier. If Xavier wins out, Butler's 11-5. and five. You assume a loss to Xavier for in that scenario makes them 11-6. and six. I wish I had the schedule for them on their last game. But I've got Creighton's schedule because that's where Xavier's right one spot behind them. Creighton still plays at Villanova on Saturday. St. John's at home at Marquette. They're in a free fall. Yeah, and they could lose two of those last three to go to 10-8. Xavier still could play its way into a three-seed in the Big East tournament. Yeah, Butler hosts Seton Hall in their final game. Okay, so Saturday. let's assume a win for them. So They don't have a midweek game next week? No, they no. only have one, they have two, two games, two games left. left, Xavier in that one. Okay. So that, like, let's assume them at 12-6, and six, Xavier can't. Xavier already has seven losses. But still could play their way into a three-seed in the Big East tournament. When all is said and done through all of this, could still be a three-seed in that tournament. Yeah, I, I got the question last night about how much blame does Chris Mack deserve for these struggles. And I think if it, it depends on how you approach that question, right? Like if, if you want to say the roster makeup, they were too thin um, – Malcolm Bernard and Rashid Gaston were coming from lower-level schools and maybe shouldn't have been guys that were relied on. There's an argument to be made about roster composition and, and why they were ever in this place to begin with. But if you want to talk about just this season and what you've been dealt in terms of no Miles Davis, losing Edmund Sumner, having Chris, you, Chris Mack isn't the one who was a 39% three-point shooter and then came out and shot 31% through most of the year like JP and Trayvon. Like, he's not the one missing threes. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses here, but you are literally without – if you just told me what the roster was at the beginning of the season, you were without two of your top four scores. Period, yeah. end of story. Yeah. And, and uh, period, when, end of story. And when you didn't have Trayvon there for a couple of games – Two of your you top three have, players. Right. You didn't have right. your three leading scores basically exactly. from what you expected exactly. coming in. Um, so, from my perspective, I think the staff has done a really good job to have this team in a place where they're basically a lock for the tournament. And, like you said, they're still competing for a top two or three seed in, that in the Big East tournament, right. theoretically. And, and, you know, they're not good enough to really make a run in the postseason. I think everyone understands that. But it's still a testament to what they've done, that they never really wavered. Their effort's always been there. Even last night, when it's the fourth loss in a row, you're not playing well. You've just gone through a five-minute stretch where you didn't score. Those final two minutes, they, they're down by ten. They almost battle their way back in. And the funny part is Seton Hall's feeling pretty good today because it's playing its way maybe into the tournament. And well, yet, they're in and, right and, now. and here's the great part. And yet they're 17-10 and 10 and 7-8. and 8. Xavier's 18-10 and 10 and 8-7. and 7. One feels awful. One feels really good. And they have literally almost the same exact record. Yep. Marquette and Seton Hall are both now right. in the tournament right. by almost everyone. I would agree. Brackets, Absol- so. Absolutely. Um, one guy I want to touch on, you brought up Malcolm Bernard. He only got one shot off last night. Uh, he's got to do more offensively. I know that sounds simplistic, but he's got to do more. I put the whammy on that kid. I know you did. I talked about how he was coming on. I know. And I thought he was going to be a really important piece down the stretch. The Bre- and he hasn't the done, kiss the, of death. Brendel, he hasn't done a damn thing since. No. Um, it, it is it is the most glaring, I get for being nice. It is the most glaring thing about the Xavier offense right now. Um, Quentin Gooden obviously had his issues finishing. Yeah. Now he's caught back into that spot where he's trying to reel back and not go one for eleven a game while he's missing layups. Yeah. So he's trying to shoot a little bit less. So he's less aggressive. Yeah. And, and, took oh, six took six shots last. I did have eight assists though. Right. Right. And then Malcolm is just he's apparently lost all confidence completely he he played with zero confidence last night and the problem isn't that he's not taking the shot the problem is he's getting caught in between instead of taking a decent shot he's trying to do something else make a play for someone and then turning the ball over when he's in when he's in situations to make a play it's not good they need more out of him but I don't know what 
what to expect from that going forward. Like, I don't think there's going to be a significant change, and all of a sudden he's going to be a guy right. that provides offense. I think this is, you know, probably you hope he gets back to just not turning the ball over when he's open. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> and I, he makes an occasional uh, uh, spot up jumper because. Other than that, he hasn't really offered a whole lot of offensive production the entire season. And then just recently, it's become where he's honestly become a negative. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, let's turn our attention to, uh, to UC, um, where they do play Memphis. So that we're, we're doing this podcast on, on Monday morning, or excuse me, on Thursday morning. They play uh, this evening. And this is not a great Memphis team, but it's a scary enough team. You can't take a night off and take something lightly. Now, UC's been obviously... It is such a Jekyll and Hyde offensive team at, at home. I almost honestly, I almost pencil them in for eighty anymore at home, and, and that's yeah. the that's the baseline to start with. Um, I don't know if they get there tonight against Memphis, but um, this is still at least enough of a game where you just cannot take anything for granted. Yeah, I mean Memphis has the most talented player in the league. I think Shimmy Ojale is going to win Conference Player of the Year, but Dedrick Lawson's averaging nineteen and ten. Right. I mean, he's really good, and they're really good at. Protecting the rim. They think they're first or second in the country in block shot percentage. And they get a lot of steals. And they want to get out and transition. The interesting thing with Memphis and what this game will come down to, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. So if they shoot like that, then UC's got the best, you know, one of the top three two-point field goal percentage teams in the country. They're going to have a lot of trouble scoring. If they somehow get a little bit hot from three, then they become a completely different animal because the reason that their offensive ratings are bad and the reason that they look terrible on paper is because they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, if you let them get a little bit warm from there, then their ability becomes completely different. So I, I think they've, you know, they've played fairly well down the stretch. They've improved, uh, as you would expect a team with Tubby to do. Um, I think at home, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad this team didn't go to Memphis this year. Yeah. Because I think that could have been a problem. Uh, I think at home they should be able to take care of them. Just the way that things match up, it looks like a, a fairly good matchup for UC Memphis. They don't want to play slow. It's funny for a Tubby team, but they don't want to play slow because they can't score in the half court in a slowdown. Well, he, he, he has usually tried to build his team around a, a post guy and, yeah. and, and work from that and, and whatever else you got. Uh, he, you know, everybody always thinks of him as a slowdown guy. He doesn't mind pushing it. He has not minded pushing it, but he, he always has usually built his offenses around a post guy. They, but, they, they play slow in the half court yeah, for the most part, yeah. but they're at their best when, when they get out and run. It. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's their best chance to score. I, I just think in this game, UC shooting at home, and Memphis is a decent defensive team, so that is what it is. UC shooting at home, but Memphis is awful on the defensive glass, and I just think that's where it's... Well, they go to a zone sometimes, and I mean... They're 223rd in defensive rebounding percentage. They get killed. Terrible on the defense. The the interesting thing about... Which you know tears him up, because that's a big part of what he does as well, is his team's rebound the ball. The interesting thing about Lawson for me that, that... you don't see many guys like him that are that are that size and that supremely skilled. He has, I mean, his his lack of athleticism is almost shocking at times. Like he can't, he doesn't have a five inch vertical. It doesn't seem like. I mean, the kid does not get off the floor well and doesn't have great lateral quickness. Um, I think Kyle and Gary can give them a lot of fits. Yeah, especially at the rim. especially on the the glass yeah. again because he's a. a an area rebounder for sure, yeah. but the way you see comes, they fly at you from different drives. We saw and that in the been, shootout. They've been really good at like they after the shootout, they got kind of complacent on it. Mm-hmm. And the past three or four games, they've been getting back to ramping it up, ramping it up, and being really aggressive and sending guys to the glass. Now, the interesting thing is, will they not send the numbers this time to keep Memphis out of transition? 
But I think even with just Kyle and Gary and, and one other guy, you can do some damage to Memphis. Well, and I go back. I mean, for whatever reason, what they're just more efficient at home offensively. That's yep. the other part. And there's, it's not like it's a it's a two, two games you point to. It's literally almost every, every single yeah. solitary home game. Well, eighty points is the baseline. Yeah, except the, for UCF is really the only game I can recall that they didn't tear it right, off offensively. Exactly, right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and they still that, scored sixty-eight. Six, 60, I think. Yeah, I think or it was 60, 60, 60 to 57 60, or something. 60 to 50, I think, was the final. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, but, that's but, yeah, but for the most part, it's been an 80-point yeah. production. Speaking of UCF, because we won't have our next podcast until after they play, so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, I think we can safely assume they do win tonight at home. I think if you, if you just put a winning percentage on it, they are 97% chance to probably win at home tonight. But the, the, the next game, though, short turnaround time. They play tonight on a Thursday night as we do this. And then turn around to play Sunday mid-afternoon. It's not early, early, yeah. but it's mid-afternoon. They, but that's a turn. That's they're uh, used to it, that it, this right. year. They've it, done it, it a is. lot this it year. Is. That's um, 7 p.m. Thursday night time slot is ESPN's yeah. AAC yeah. game of the week. They've been in that game a lot. But this is the one game that, that I look at and go, okay, that that could be a trip up special because of the it's, style of play. You see, the, the flip side is you see on the road just hasn't been able to score. It's going to be 50 to 45. Yeah. I mean, both teams are elite in terms of field goal percentage defense. Um, UC does not shoot well on the road, as we have talked about many, many times. Taco Fall is seven foot six with an eight foot two wingspan. Um, th- that one, you're going to have to grind that one out. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Ken Palm has that score prediction with UC winning sixty three to fifty nine. That's too high. But Under. He's he's based that at sixty two possessions, and the game at UC was only played at sixty one possessions. Yeah, it'll, be, only, it'll, it'll, it'll be sixty to fifty. It'll be far less down there. It's going to be in far the fifties almost without question. Uh, by the way, you said ninety percent chance on winning. Ninety seven. Right? I said ninety seven point three percent. Oh, okay. What, 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 what is Ken it? Palm has it at eighty seven. Okay. So. All right. I, I thought I, you said ninety. I was going to say that's pretty damn good. I, I probably went a little bit too high. I'm I'm going on more human nature than the than numbers on that. Fair um, let's assume UC does win out this season. Where, where do things stand? I should know this. I don't. Where do things stand in a tiebreaker with SMU when it comes to conference tournaments? It's ridiculous. Not that it really matters. It's because ridiculous. They're, they'll be opposite each other no matter how you slice it. Okay, so it, it goes down. <laughs> did, I, did I open up a bad can here? It's ridiculous. So it goes to, because they've got the unbalanced schedule, um, you go down the list until you get to the teams that you only played, or that you played twice that they didn't play twice. Okay. So, they Cincinnati only plays Memphis once. They played Memphis twice. Okay. They only played UCF once. Okay. Cincinnati played, played them twice. twice. Okay. So if that's the tiebreaker, if Memphis finishes ahead of UCF, then SMU is the one. Is the one. Okay. If UCF finishes ahead of Memphis, then UC is the one. Okay. If they finish tied, oh, don't do that. Don't it, do that to me. It continues to go down to the list because there's two teams that you when only play to, once. When, uh, when does it get to dueling pistols? We're not going to get to dueling pistols Damn. this year because the UC, unfortunately, only played South Florida once. And they're 1-14, so they're not going to be any better than last. So it would come down to use their, uh, um, it's a one on, It's a one-on-one game, Kyle Washington against Taco Fall. I, I feel like <laughs> it, would, it would come down to ECU. and no, because you, you, you can't have it come down to ECU. It's going to come down to ECU. Man, oh man, that's really who should decide this conference. Oh, no question, because it's it's the ECU, the, 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 yeah. the, the bell cow of it. I now, think, I think Mick would be quicker to the hip than Tim Jankovic in a draw. I don't know, Jankovic. He, he's he's yeah. He's, he's got some greasy in him. Yeah, but he's longer. He's got more more got length those, to cover. Mix, but, he, but Mick's really he's, quick he's got, to the hip. He, I feel he's like he's got those long fingers. You can see it. You can just see he's quick, quick uh, on the Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. What, I, why do you know so much about Tim Jankovic's fingers, um, dude? Have you seen him? Too much information. 
I had. That's why I thought it'd take a long time to reach to. No, I don't know. No, you're going with the long Pause. Yeah, I don't. I'm going with the long. Anyway, it's 2017. We can't say that. That's right. We can't say pause anymore. No, you can't say that. Anymore. That that being said, that being said, SMU does have a tough game because they play at UConn on Saturday, and UConn so finally. Playing. Showing like they have a right. pulse, but they lost to Houston yeah. last night. Um, but that was at Houston, too, though, right? Yeah. By yeah. the way, I saw someone that was making the case that Ali should be coach of the year in the conference. Yeah, I told him to delete his Twitter. Wait a minute. <laughs> was, was that a tongue-in-cheek? No, it was somebody from I, Connecticut. In, in fairness, look, a, a lot of a lot of adversity, injuries. They're in the hunt. They're, they're not in the hunt. They're going to finish third in the AAC. No, not they're going to finish fourth now because they lost last night to Houston. We'll let that part out. They're going to finish fourth in the AAC. <laughs> coach of the year, Kevin Ali. Um, yeah, no. C-O-Y-K-O. It's going to be Jankovic. Or Mick. I mean, and again, that goes back to that whole conversation. of, of Mick, it'll be Jankovic because SMU, of the newness. And it's the newness. Cincinnati was picked to win the league. Correct. And if they win the league, and that's they'll you, give it to the team that correct. wasn't picked to win the league that yeah. ties for and the that's league. And that's usually how it, how it works, for goodness sake. It looks like Cincinnati, you've been rotating between that, like, top five seed and second five seed now. So they're... Flirting with that 5-4 well, line. I mean, the one thing that actually almost finally does help them in this conference is their last four games, it's all top 100 teams. They're finally hitting a stretch where their resume can be helped a little bit, mm-hmm. and those teams are going to bump up playing UC. And it's funny you said said that because we're now at a stage where there's not a ton of movement on a daily basis, no. weekly basis, seed-wise. Kind of setting in. And, and, and I'll go off bracket matrix. I mean, if you look at, at who are the four seeds and above in bracket matrix, it, it's going to be hard to bump a lot of them off. Producing well, there, I mean, you Butler's could see that there. when they did the, the reveal. Right. West, West Virginia's still in there. UCLA's on the four-seed line. I mean, the one team that's taken a drop is Florida State's gone from a two to a three, and the way they're playing could go to, from a three to a four, perhaps. But it's just not... I mean, I'm looking today. Nova, Gonzaga, Kansas, North Carolina are still the ones. I could argue Oregon could push their way there, but they're the third two seed based on bracket matrix. Two, I think. And they uh, probably are. But it just tells you that there's just not going to be – there may be a little movement in the three, fours, maybe twos and threes, but nobody really moving up five to four, I don't think. It'll be interesting to see if they win out and they win the AAC tournament. I, I, I can't, I can't see how you keep them out of a four. I just can't right. see how you can look at that and go – because the losses then – uh, Rhode Island's back in the tournament. I mean, yeah. they're in if you did it today. So it would be Rhode Island, Iowa State's in the tournament, and, uh, they, and Butler. They beat Iowa State. I'm sorry. Rhode Island, I mean, SMU, Butler. Sorry, yeah, the, the, but three teams that would be in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, and Iowa State's a win. And two on the road and one neutral. Right. I, I mean, the only problem I think you see is when you look at the other teams that UC's kind of bunched with right now, it's Purdue, Butler, Virginia, Wisconsin, Creighton. Creighton's going to fall Notre out of that. Dame, Maryland. All those teams playing in big-time conferences, right. playing in big-time conference tournaments where there's going to be an opportunity for two, three significant wins. Now, they don't necessarily all get that, but if a couple of them do, then it may keep UC out of it, bumping it, into that four-seed well, line. Well, the one team I could see maybe bumping out of the four-seed line is, is, is you could see West Virginia maybe somehow, some way, not finishing up the season in great. I mean, they could. Oh, I could see Purdue or Butler having and the same too, issue. But, but Purdue just in that league, I just don't find many teams on a night in night out basis to beat them. But they're, but they're included. I mean, that but you're right. I don't you're but you're they're right. included in that group. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They could easily lose another game or two. Um, it's, it's interesting the way it's kind of setting up. Cause you're right. I think things are kind of starting to solidify themselves yeah. where they're at, but there are still some teams that have movement right in that area where you see that. Let's touch on Kentucky for a minute where uh, they, they, again, don't look good on the road playing um, Missouri. Missouri's not very good. Missouri's terrible. But they do have a showdown um, Saturday with Florida. Obviously, Florida, without the big guy, towards ACL. 
I, I, I would assume the winner of this solidifies a three. The loser then probably is lower three to upper four. So really, again, not a lot of movement because they're both on the three seed line right now. I'm going to say this right now, and it's it's wrong currently, but I think it'll be right by the time this happens. I think UK ends up getting a two seed over Oregon. Everyone's all really? gung-ho on Oregon. I think Oregon has another loss uh, that surprises well, me. almost had one last night. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think they maybe duck out early in the, whack, the tournament. Whack. And uh, and we see I like UK, what you did there. UK take over. The, I just uh, well in the two seed line. I, I guess it, it's it's possible. I just I think they blew their opportunities to do that. I, I mean, losing to UCLA, lo- losing at home to UCLA, losing at home to Kansas, getting blown out by Florida. Yeah, yeah, but again, you have a chance to return the favor, whether it's a blowout or not. But you do have a chance to return the favor at home, and if you win that game, very good chance you end up being the regular season SEC champion. Have a chance to then win the SEC tournament championship, playing a pretty good schedule. Although again, you didn't win some of the games you needed. I guess they could. I just don't. I don't see them moving up to that two seed line. I just don't. But I, I, again, anything's possible. I, I got to be honest. I, you know, I've tried to watch them a bunch. Of, they, they just don't. They do very little for me, and I don't know why that is. I, I liked what I saw against Missouri when they just fed the ball to Bam. Yep. I mean, that's, a, it, that's probably something they should do more often. We've talked about it for a month and a half. Right. Get the big fellow the ball. There's nobody that can stop him. No, absolutely. I mean, you even saw it for, saw it for stretches in the Georgia game. Yeah. When he caught it deep, turned, nobody's stopping that. Nobody. But you also have a guard that's taking a make on the other team, and he's at the other rim by 3.2 seconds, and Bam doesn't get a chance to get set up. So yeah. it's a yin and yang circumstance. It really is. But, I, I, you know, just watching their games, it just they, it feels like it's the same formula almost every single game. Go on the road, don't make shots. At home, play with energy. Go on the road, don't make shots. I, I don't know. It's just it, it's, it's been you hard You just hate Cal. I, I don't like Cal, but I've, I've liked watching some of his teams play because I just like the way they play. This team, I don't, it just doesn't do much for me, and I don't know why that is. The one thing that's always impressed me the most about Cal and the one-and-done stuff is he gets a different team every year, a totally different group of personality and, and, and guys. You, and, and you have to identify guys. what your identity is, and that's hard. And he's always able to get them to play with incredible intensity and, and um, consistency in terms of their effort and their, their defensive level, the, the level they play at Dude, on the he, defensive he, level. And he holds them accountable. I mean, there's an accountability factor. That defense but, hasn't been there this year. No, it hasn't. This, as much. Year, this year's team wavers. Like, they don't have that consistent, they're always there, they're always playing super hard, they're always locked in on their assignments. They just don't have that. And that's been the big difference to me where they're not quite as, as fun or exciting to watch is they just don't have that intensity all the time. But I see a lot of things I really like about this UK team. I think they're a really tough out in the postseason. Oh, you have an elite point guard, an elite shot maker, and a big guy, if you feed him the ball, can get you 15 to 18. That's a, that's a pretty good group. And good athletes surrounding them. Right. I mean, Derek Willis can get you 18 points on a given night, and he can also give up 27 on a given night. But he can give you that. And you're right. In the tournament, that, that makes you a tough out, and they probably will be. It's interesting. We've seen less Gabriel, and we're starting to see a little more, more Mulder, Mulder instead Mulder's of playing, Briscoe. Yeah, exactly. Offense, offense. Rick called that one when? A couple weeks Six ago. Six weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Briscoe is really falling out of favor, it seems like, with, with the fan base to a large degree. The fan base really doesn't like him. I, I think he's a good player and would too. really help a lot of teams. But it's just. He, he doesn't fit on that one. Yeah, because he doesn't. What He plays a similar game or gives you the same things that your other guards give you, but yeah. he's not as good as they right. are at that. So he's just a redundant piece that's that's not as good. That doesn't stretch the floor. That doesn't give you space. You need shooters yeah. with, with those guys for sure. Uh, let's go to your NKU Norse, which uh, How about it? got a big win over uh, Wright State after uh, not a very good, Were you there? good, yeah. good game oh, against yeah. Youngstown State. Were you fired up? 
they are now said a few words to Dayton people. <laughs> send them back. Send them packing. Yeah. Did you zip them up. I, th- I think the exact words might have been take your punk ass back to Dayton. And then someone said you fornicate with your cousins. And then I said Dayton is full of pieces of something like you. Wow. Was this beard muscles talking or just in general? No, I was sober. Wow. <laughs> That's getting into it a little much, but okay. It, it was it was a long time. Coming. I mean, that was what you what you got to understand is I used to go to UD Arena to cover Xavier and do nothing. So when I was in a fan capacity around Dayton people, it, I felt like I had some years of frustration. Things to, things to say. Yeah, there you go. Uh, NKU does have two more chances to get to twenty wins. They play Illinois, Chicago, and then Valpo. Um, to close things out in the regular season. They are currently tied on the four-seed line with Wright State in the, in the league tournament. I guess could get up to three depending on what Green Bay does, but probably will end up in that 4-5. And likely it's pretty much 4-5. Them and Wright State could flip-flop each other. They don't, one's the four, one's the five, and you've talked about they it. They don't want the three. Right, because then you'd play Oakland in the semis. In this case, you'd play Valpo in the semis, and yep. you like the matchup better. Yeah, without question. And so, I mean, you got a big game Friday night. UIC um, beat them at home, but it – like, it doesn't really matter for seeding purposes. You don't want them to, to move up. So. NKU and Wright State are four, or tied for fourth. So one's the four, one's the five, and they're three games clear of, of, of UIC. So no matter what happens, the worst NKU will be in a conference tournament will be a five. So. Let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Since they, they play Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, which is crazy. It is crazy. Do you want them to beat Valpo, or would you rather save the element of surprise for the conference tournament? Now, if you beat them, they'll stay woke. Uh, yeah, I think you still want to beat them, though, because it's a confidence thing. With, with this that, young that you group finally, of guys. That you finally can beat them. It, well, yeah. It, it, you hear that Valpo, and since you got in this conference last year, uh, Valpo is that team, right? They're, yeah. they're the team that everyone looks to. They're the Villanova of this you conference. Do it in so the speak. tournament. I agree with you, and I, what you're saying is valid. Like, if you beat them now, it's going to be really difficult to beat them again. Well, I guess it comes out of this. Do you, do you pull out whatever specials you might have Where, for this game, or do you say whatever specials you might have for, no, for yeah. a league game? Where's, yeah, I mean, you, you say tournament game. Where's the tournament? Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Motor yeah. City Madness. I didn't, I, some, some of those leagues have them at like, yeah, right. the number home, one seed right. or whatever. Home, home I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's at Detroit. So. You going? No, she's there. Uh, if the Enquirer sends me. There you go. Yeah, I'll cover it. Is it in the Joe? Yeah. Ooh, nice place. One of my one of my least favorite arenas in the country. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Just to do, do yourself a favor, dude. Don't get caught in the parking lot by yourself. That's all I will tell you. Okay. Okay. Just right. just don't. You will not come back to this podcast ever again. You won't come back to the face of this earth ever again. I don't know. He's pretty that. tough, though. I mean, he was talking some serious smack to those Dayton people. Yeah, if you talk at one on five and they got weapons, you might get one of them, but four of them are going to get you. Oh. I got a little bit of street cred, skinny. I do did, all right. What okay. kind of trouble did you start in the D? Yeah, like you, dude. I'm telling you, you just the got D, relaxed. The D, the D, the D. You're wearing your Make America Great a hat and around <laughs> Detroit is probably not the best idea. Uh, I wore my United Auto Workers hat. Will that work? Huh? No comment. Okay, just thought I'd throw that one out there. Um, one touch, one other thing, and it was a scary moment. Wow. I want to go. I want to go back to, to hugs on Monday. That 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 was scary for a brief period of time because you really didn't know. I mean, the defibrillator going off is is one thing, but when he was down on his knees, I thought he's having another one, and this could escalate quickly. How about him just shaking it off and coaching? Oh, I know that that's the part. Like I, he rubbed away a heart attack. <laughs> I, like that in my mind, that's what happened. I know it, there's a thing in his heart, and it turned off or whatever. I don't care. In my mind, what I saw was a man have well, a heart attack, drop to his knees, rub his chest in a circular motion go, a few I'm times, good. and then tell his doctor, "It's cool. I'll yell at some kids." This happens all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I have I, like three, four a week. 
and then blame a kid on his team <laughs> that for was trying the, to kill him. That was the best part. I, th- I thought he was blaming the ref. It was one of his kids. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. He told yeah. Javon Carter, you're trying to kill me. Yeah, you're oh, trying to kill me. I thought me. it was the it was ref great. he was saying that too. No, I thought that, that actually was the best part by far. Did uh, the crazy thing about that whole scenario, did you see the look on the players' yes. faces? Yeah, yeah. They thought he was dying. Well, everyone that's seen Bob Huggins within the last five years expects that to happen every time you see them. But they literally literally thought, "Here, like this is it. This is it. Yeah, we've been preparing for this. Yeah, they probably have a plan in place. Like, all right, when Coach finally does have a heart attack, Billy Hunter goes, "I got him. If he dies, I got him. I'm good." But he rubbed off a heart attack. Yeah, the Adrian kid's like, "Well, it's my responsibility if he has an aneurysm," but. Carter, that's you if he, if he has <laughs> the heart attack. attack. You've got to help him there. Oh, man, oh, man. Scary moment for sure. Um, one last thing before I let you guys do final takes. I, I think it's now time that you will owe me a 12-pack. Is that correct? I, I mean, it's not I, official yet, but we're going to – It's damn, that's, it's damn yeah, close. It's a two-game lead now. Yeah. Which that was a good game for 30 minutes, and then it North was. Carolina just dominated the final 10. Yeah. That's a pretty high-level game. That's yeah. two teams that could win it all right yeah. there. I think – Think we saw that? I'm not. I'm not big on Louisville. I think you've said this before. That's that's what I was going to say. Is, is offensively, I just wonder because they if, go through if some Donovan stretches. Mitchell goes cold. That, they yeah. struggle. That's my biggest question with that Louisville team is that their offense. I question it. At the, times. the thing that 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 hasn't happened for them, and we weren't as high on this kid as a lot of people were. And Ding Adele hasn't become the number two guy. Yep. When like if you look when Ding Adele plays well. Yeah. They're really good on offense, and they, you know, they've been shooting it a lot better. Now they didn't last night. They've been shooting it better from three of late, um, and I, th- I thought they were primed for a nice, you know, I, I, the one that that has shocked me is Anasma Mood. I didn't think he was going to develop. I thought that was going to take at least three or four years, and, and he's actually been a pretty nice piece for them. I like um, his game. Yeah, I mean, he's really skilled. Did you see that that move he made? The dribble drive he made from the three-point line, sure. In the first half, he took one. Dri- it took like one dribble, and he was at the rim. Um, That's long strides. There, yeah, boy. I mean his his a long gate. I like long gate. Um, but no, North Carolina definitely. <laughs> North Carolina definitely uh, was the was the far superior team in Chapel Hill last night. So they're good. I mean they are uh, they are. Well, it, it's just it's an interesting team because it's Cuz when they miss, it's a good thing. Yeah. It really is. It's well, a good thing. Just, it, the game has gone so far away from big men that when you have them, right. especially like that, Skilled. yeah. then you know, it gives you a weapon that that the other team just has a very difficult time handling, which is chuck it up and we miss, we're good. We'll and get, Ken- Kennedy Meeks was in foul trouble and they put Bradley right. in and Bradley just is is just as dominant. So um, yeah, I was very impressed with North Carolina last night. It was a great night of basketball last it night. It was. Um, well, Wednesday's usually the busiest of the nights. Yeah. And, and you got most of the big, big leagues playing, so that you can flip around and find, find a lot of the, good the matches. Other, the, the other oh, thing Butler. I, the, real quick on North Carolina, the thing I love about them is they just know who they are offensively, yeah. too. Like, only three guys took threes for them in that game. You know, they don't have the random guy jacking two shots that, that, that shouldn't 32%. be. Right. They're good shooters take shots. It's right. Joel Berry, it's Justin Jackson, and it's Theo Pinson. Those are the guys shooting threes. And so as a result, they go 7 of 18 from deep. Like, they they take good shots when they're shooting jumpers. And otherwise, they pound it inside, they get to the rim, they get off the glass, and they go rebound. I yeah. love me some Theo Pinson. They're good. I mean, they, they, they've got every part you want, and I just I wouldn't want to face them. Don't my Theo Pinson story? I love it. Go for it. So we were watching, um, I believe it was Shane Bahannon. Uh, at that point in time, saw him at the Broner fight, and you told me 165 pounds, which he looks really thin. Shane, Shane Bahannon, 
Shane Bahannon looked really thin really? at the Broner fight, yeah. Holy cow. I mean, you're talking about a kid that was probably, what, 220 when he played? Yeah. Now, granted, 170 is an exaggeration for sure, but he was, I mean, thinner, much 200 pounds probably. Okay, that's Very still, thin yeah. at 6'7". Yeah. Um, so they get done, and I'm sitting there talking to, the, to a coach, and next game starts, and it's a 16 and under game. And there's this kid that's just flying everywhere, Tomahawk Duncan, just crushing people. In games or in warm-ups? In the game. In games. In the game. Like, who the hell is this? Flip open my book, look. That can't be right. It's an eighth grader. Oh wow! Playing up playing against up. sixteen playing, yeah, year olds, up. holy cow! And just demolishing them. And come to find Where's out, he it from was North Carolina. He's from Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Come to find out, it was Theo Penson. Wow. And followed him, you know, fairly heavily from there on, because you just don't see that. Like, no, I mean, the maturation level from an eighth grader to a, to a 16 year old is a huge, yeah. huge difference. Body he's, he's the glue guy for that North Carolina team. I mean, he does everything for them. He can score a little bit, rebounds, defends. Um, he played AAU with Gary Clark on a team that lost in the peach jam finals. Um, and I, you know, I've watched the, for forever. So really good kid so happy to see him doing well at North Carolina and having a uh, critical role on that team no doubt all right uh, final take time for you final take time bill self last night was just i mean it was the greatest that it was Brandon Rush's jersey retirement ceremony um they asked self after the game what's your best Brandon Rush story do you have the audio i, I always thought Brandon was uh, ridiculously honest you know most people can be honest but when they're in trouble, they sometimes just tell a little white fib to, to try to eliminate the, the, the problem. I, I remember one, one day, and I already knew going in, we held up before practice, and we had curfew the night before at midnight or something like that, and 1230, I don't know what it was. And, and uh, I heard Brandon, you know, he was out. So uh, uh, I said, hey, everybody, everybody doing okay? Everybody, uh, everybody in last night? Everybody make curfew? Did, did, did anybody not? Not make curfew last night, and B said, I didn't, Coach. I said, what do you mean you didn't? You knew we had curfew, didn't you? Yeah, I did, Coach, but I, I was late. I was late. And I said, well, I hope you had a good excuse. He said, I did. And I said, what was it? He said, the club was cracking last night. <laughs> so, so, I mean, how do, you, how do you get mad at a guy that's ridiculously honest like that? So uh, that, that's one of my all-time favorite stories. The club was cracking. Club was cracking. The club. Have you ever stay so long, Rick? That was cracking because the club was cracking that you just couldn't leave. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I just. That's why he was a half hour late today. I just club was, club cracking, was cracking, cracking last night. night. Yeah. Or early, this, early this morning. Did you miss curfew? I did. <laughs> I did. Um, but. The club was cracking, Coach. It really was. <laughs> and you just love like the honesty. I, the honesty of it would be, maybe even go, you know what? I'm going to make you run for this, but I'm not going to suspend well, That's, what, that's right. what Self said at the I end know. of it. He's like, yeah, I, I mean. I think I liked Bill Self more in that story than I did uh, Brandon, Brandon Rush. Because <laughs> the reaction of Bill Self was like, yeah, the honesty, all right, I'm down. Like, yeah. That's, that's how you're a Hall of Fame coach. You look at your good players. You say, the club was cracking. All right, I'll I can take, live I'll, with that. I'll, I'll take you up on that one. You still going to get buckets? Yes, sir. Okay, let's go get this money. Then. Next time the club's cracking, call me. Call me. Be, yes. be in by 12. Could you at least send me a text? Right. Coach, club's cracking. I'm gonna be, it's going to be 1230 tonight. <laughs> you mentioned Coach waking up to the club is cracking on his phone on a text message. Yeah, he's good, hon. I'm going to close my phone up now. He'll be and, back whatever and we, time. And we haven't even mentioned 13 consecutive 
Big 12 titles, which ties it's staggering. the UCLA record of it, 13. It is staggering. In an era when UCLA was the best team money can buy. Yeah, right. In, in a league that really basketball wasn't big in that league yeah. at that time either. I mean, so. and, you, and you look at the Big 12, there's been some pretty damn good Big 12 teams over the past 13 years, and none of them have been able to knock off Kansas. Well, as I say, in that time frame, you've had Texas go to a Final Four probably. I'm doing this yeah, off the top of my head. DJ Augustine. You've had Oklahoma yeah. go to a Final Four. Might be outside the window of Oklahoma State going to a Final Four. They might have gone to – it might be just before that. I think it's that. before it, but 13 years ago is a long time. You've had those You've had some those really good Iowa State teams that, one, at least made a run to the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, you've had some really good teams there. You had West Virginia be a Final Four team, I believe, Big 12. Yeah, Kansas State with Beasley and, and OJ, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that so was you, in that stretch. Yeah. You, so, I mean, th- that tells you – that that they have had that that's just a consistently ridiculous run of success. It's awesome. It is. It really and truly is. All right. Their tournament success, not so much. No, that's a good point. Big twelve regular season. Um so I'm gonna tell my, one of my favorite texting coaches stories, but because these guys are still working, I feel like I need to leave names out. But yeah. So my favorite story involving a player texting a coach goes back to the recruiting scene, and we're on the road. And this is after a kid had already been recruited, and he's playing a high major school, and now he's been involved in big deals within the last few years. So he's, he's well-known. He's on an official visit. He's a five-star, one of the best players in the country. And he goes, you know, coach, usually how this works, you go out to dinner with the coach or whatever, then you leave him, you go with the team, and you go out for the night, right? To where the club's cracking. Where the club is cracking. And on this night, the club was cracking, and he found himself a female companion that he was texting with. And uh, the coach checks in with him before he goes to bed that night. Hey, how's everything going? Y'all good? Settled in? The coach gets back uh, a picture of his um, his junk. His thing? In, in return. <laughs> And the kid was trying to sex the young lady he had just met. He, he had his numbers all between. had his numbers all confused. It happens to the best of us. Um, it really does. And this was before Snapchat. So could you imagine? It would have really saved him if you would have just had Snapchat at the time. Goes away. Yeah, but but uh, the coach. But the coach obviously then starts calling people he trusts, going. What do I do? I can't like. I don't want to call him out on this because I want to <laughs> land a top. Five player in the nation, but Dude, it's he easy. also just texted me a picture of his junk. Impressive. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Breakfast at nine. <laughs> That'll look great in burnt orange. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. There you go. There you go. There's got to be a creative way to answer that. Or Carolina blue or, or Kentucky blue, blue or, or any other yeah. color as well. Yeah. Not that you were giving it away. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simple answer to it. You know what? It's a win-win. You don't call him out on it, you... You, you give him his kudos, and then you move on. What is that? Eight, eight and a half? <laughs> yeah. No, don't, don't don't try to go there. Because then you put your you pigeonhole yourself. Don't be doing that. Don't 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 guess short. Might, that might even make him worse. So nope, just impressive. It's, it's great. Point. See you tomorrow. It's all it is. Simple. You handled that situation better than I ever would have expected. Which. Uh, Maybe it's happened before. Beachwood must be an interesting coaching job. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, boys, we will be back uh, Sunday nightish, Monday morning-ish, somewhere in that time frame to talk about a big weekend. What time's your game Sunday? His is Saturday. Yours is uh, 3.30. Yours, and yours is three. Sunday at 3. So, all right, we'll, we'll be back Sunday night then, I think, right? Yep. Sounds like a plan. All right. Uh, busy weekend to talk about. Really, then the last regular season week coming up, and then we got some tournament time to talk about. Unbelievable. So we'll do that coming up. Thanks for being with us on today's College Basketball Podcast. <laughs>